That's making a dish golf podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Intentional Disc Golfer Podcast. We're excited to have you join us on our disc golf journey. This podcast explores the physical, mental, and technical aspects of disc golf performance. We will also be discussing tools and techniques to improve your disc golf game as we work on improving ours. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon and Jenny Sapinski. And we are back here at the Intentional Disc Golfer Podcast. Thank you for listening. My name is Brandon. And my name is Jenny. And again, I can't thank you guys enough for listening. Our listeners make this all possible, and we're very grateful for what a wonderful ride this has been. If you want to get involved, sponsor the show, or even be a guest on the show, you can get a hold of us at theintentionaldiscgolfer at gmail.com. That is theintentionaldiscgolfer at gmail.com. Also, with social media, please like, subscribe, follow, tell all of your friends, and give us a try. Uh, We are available on almost every major podcasting streaming platform, and our social media pages are on Instagram and Facebook, that is Saprinsky Disc Golf. That is C Z U P R Y N S K I Disc Golf. That is C Z U P R Y N S K I Disc Golf. And on Twitter, we have a Twitter handle. It is uh, the IDG Podcast dot 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 com. That's not a, no Twitter doesn't have dot com. It's the IDG Podcast on Twitter. You should also reach out to us for some stickers. Stickers are awesome. I love stickers. I have some in my office at work. And all over our van. Yes. And- if you have a sticker and you want us to advertise on our van, I still have some windows that don't have stickers <laughs> still, on them. There's still window space. You can, we, we can do a sticker trade. Can I'd, we? Oh, man. That is one of the coolest things. Like, it's really weird when I was... We run into people disc golfing. It's like, here, you want a sticker? And they're like, oh, you want one of ours? And it's like sticker things. Yeah, we trade we trade stickers all the time. And we're actually in a different color pattern of stickers now. We have the green ones yes, right now. We have the green ones for the Understanding so. the Course series that we never finish. Yeah, we're, well, we're working on it. Yeah. We're working on it. I got my feelers out there. But, uh, you know, life happens. Um, speaking of things, life happening. Um, so up here in Washington where we're at, we have come into what is kind of the off season. It gets dark early, so there's not really a whole lot of time to get a lot of disc golf in. And anybody that knows thing anything about Seattle in this area knows that it rains quite a lot. Well, there's also critters and there's a lot of hills. Critters. And, and the, the, the ground tends to turn into mud. Yeah, it can become quite dangerous, especially with the critters. I mean, right about this time of year is when all the bears and the uh, uh, the cougars and the bobcats and the coyotes and stuff are trying to fatten up for raccoons. Uh, raccoons. Well, right, ra- raccoons. They're not the we have killer raccoons around here, like mm-hmm. set man eating raccoons. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. No way. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been attacked by a raccoon? Mm, no, but I've had enough raccoons. Like as pets. Not really pets. I mean, they were pets like the same way the outdoor cats were pets. So they hunted mice? Uh, No, they ate cat food. So wouldn't that technically be a cat? It was a raccoon. A pet cat. 
and well, they kind of eat the same thing. I don't know. I don't. They uh, they eat the cat food. The only thing I know about raccoons is they have stripes and they live in trees. They're not zebras. They're not zebras. Zebras have stripes. Not the same. So do tigers. Not the same. Back to disc golf. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, talking about this episode, um, we got to the end of our season about the last uh, you know couple tournaments and everything, uh, wrapping up kind of our tournament series and our championships and uh, season finales and whatnot. And, you know, we start thinking about the off season is, you know, we, what can we do for next year to improve our game? Um, are you going to plug how we finish the season? No, but you are. No. How did you finish the season? Um, well, I'm, I'm happy with my finishes this year as, as season wind up is, um, you know, it was my goal this year to kind of be a strong, like middle of the field, and, uh, you know, be, be consistently kind of in the middle of the field. And I actually ended up, uh, taking a tournament, um, and getting a first place. So that was a lovely surprise. Sorry, Bill, uh, if you're listening, um, but he beat you at the next one, the next two. Oh, well, the there you go. Two. yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of midfield finishes and I actually had several podium finishes. So, uh, all of this hard work and research that we've been doing, at least in, on my behalf, has been paying off. Um, Jenny did exactly the same as she's always done. Yeah, so uh, finished the women's series, and I fought my way back to first and lost at the playoff. However, I loved losing to Rachel because it was her first tournament win, her first official game with her number. I played with her at a summertime fling at the Evergreens and it was a hoot. And she was like, I'm so tired. How does this work? And yeah, (laughs) she's like, I'm so nervous. I'm like, you got this. So you took, you took second in the tournament. I took second for queen of the jungle. I took, what did I take for king of the jungle? Did I take second? Uh, I don't know. I think I took second to Leilani. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. You did. Yeah. I took second to Leilani. Yeah. Leilani's good. That's. I know. I. I love that I can battle with Leilani Battle now because, well, when I first started last year, like she was so out of my league, and now we're in the same league. And yeah, it's it's, weird. it's really cool to have that rivalry and watch you guys go back and forth. Yeah, because we learn from each other too and talk about tips. And but I did take, um, I did finish uh, first in FA three this year for the overall Evergreen Women's Series, and I did get a nice little payout. Uh, thank you to Tony and Nicole and everyone else for getting all that payout and donations and looking forward to the women's series for next year too. Um, but now I guess I'm the three time Washington state women's champion because I took FA four last year, FA three this year for the evergreen women's series. And then, uh, what was that other one? NADGT. NADGT FA three. Yeah. So moving up to FA two next year. Is that official or are we, we going to hang well, out? Well, yeah, all my watch? friends are going to FA2. I got to go to FA2. You got to go to F. You have to do it. Unless I'm playing like some big tournament, then I'll go with my rating. Yeah, you sandbagger. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Better than a beanbagger. Well, you, you are planning on going down to the uh, women's, women's nationals down in Texas next year, aren't you? Yeah, that's my goal. Yeah. 
yeah we'll see life happens we're gonna we're gonna work towards that and get you there somehow yeah all right to walk so we made some improvements just on experience and playing alone both jenny and i and um you know to throw myself under the bus and talk a little bit about myself is i realized that the biggest bang for my buck if you would and the place that i can improve the most that would have the most impact on my game was consistency and control And what I mean by that is I find myself trying way too hard, working way too hard, um, you know, when I, when I play the game and when I do that, uh, not only am I not as accurate how, and I also wear myself out. So these multiple multi round tournaments, uh, I, I, the second round I'm just spent and I do terrible. Um, so the answer to that problem for me is that, I need to be able to put a lot less effort into it and also be able to hit my distances uh, the way I need to hit them in order to be competitive. So the answer to this is I need to get stronger. Dude. Dude. With what we've been doing, I had some killer park jobs, like drop-ins next to the basket birdies after all this work we've been doing. Like, it's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, let me, let me brag about you for a minute. So your big improvement, Jenny, this, this year has been your consistency. Your consistency has picked way up. I mean, everybody has a weird shot here now and again, but you are hitting fairway, hitting fairway, hitting fairway. You've learned some great shot shaping skills. Um, so that's really coming along nicely where you could have stood to improve and i think i'm speaking for or were you where you expressed that you wanted to improve was you wanted to add some more distance to your shot so that you can be so i didn't have to putt yeah so you (laughs) so you could play be honest so you could play a little closer to the basket i'm really proud that so i gave up on trying to do a walk-up like that was the thing I remember that in February or whatever. I was like, I'm just going to stand still and I'm going to throw stand still. And with a lot of the people that I play against, you know, they have their walk-ups, whatever. But I'm able to outdrive them with a standstill. And I am so proud of that because well, it's just standstill. Well, I remember when you when you did that, you're like, you know what? There's too many moving parts I'm just going to give up on this and I'm going to master this one thing. Well, I didn't give up on it. It's like, that's just too much inconsistency. So if I, if I practice that, because you're, you have to stand still. Like there are times in the woods, you have to stand still. Well, and we live in the woods. Yes, (laughs) There's a lot of woody courses out here in Washington, especially Western Washington. Um, uh, No, I misspoke. You, you didn't give up on it completely. It was your, personal mission to master one aspect of the game and create a foundation as where you had been playing the game before you actually had to backtrack and unlearn some uh, bad habits that you had learned over uh, that first season. That is correct. So with that being said, I mean, you added some great distance. Your consistency went through the roof. I mean, that that's your strong point right now is your consistency in the fairway and on your approach shots. Um, yep. And when you're where one of the places that you 
decided that you wanted to improve on is you wanted to add more distance to your shot. Well, who doesn't? I mean, we're all going to add more distance to our shot. But to be able to throw an effortless 300 feet, she needed to get stronger. So if you're if you're catching on to a theme here. I needed to build the muscles. Get the Ezra Edo hold. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> No. no. I'm going for a little more like the stringy Holland Handley. Yeah. Yeah. Although Holland, I have Holland, I have Holland's the Kristen beast, Tatar though. base though. Holland Holland has guns on her. I know. Have have you looked at her arm? Uh yeah. I've well, her, spoken with her. Well yeah, I mean like Yeah, I've worked with her. Yeah. She's like we've met her. She's we've been around her. She's a great person. Yeah. But but it's like I didn't realize until watching her on coverage. Like she's actually got a pair of guns. Like she's she's ripped up top. What? Stalker. No, it's just something I noticed. <laughs> Did you notice that I, Ezra does too? <laughs> who doesn't notice? Like I thought that I had one of those three D TVs, but it was just Ezra Adelhold. <laughs> it was weird. But any. Yeah. Okay, so we hit the gym pretty hard today and my abs are cramping oh as we're laughing. Great segue. Yeah. So if you haven't picked up on our theme yet, this episode is about exercise. If you're like most people out there. Yes, exercise. I know how exciting, right? If you're like most people out there. You show up at the gym, you got your tennis shoes on, your shorts, your water bottle, your towel, your entertainment, your earbuds are in, and then... I don't think most people even show up at the gym. What do you do? Well, the first step is getting inside the door. I mean, you got you to gotta get in the door. I don't know. I'm still a big fan of the home gym. You don't even necessarily need a gym gym, like gym membership. I'm not saying go out like today and buy yourself a gym membership. Your name's Jim? Jim. Jim? Jim. Oh, letter Kenny. Army crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so if you're any, if you're like most people, you show up at the gym, you're ready to go. What do you do? What do you do? Or you're, or you look some stuff up online and it's like you're doing this exercise program, but you don't really know why you're doing it or why it's focused the way it's focused or why you're doing certain things a certain way. And so we're going to talk about that all in this episode, um, starting from the very, very basic. And we got a lot to cover, so we might break it up into a couple episodes. Um, but this one is at least helpful to get you started. Let's start at the very beginning. That's beautiful. A very good place to start. Right on. When you read, you begin with ABC. And we'll talk more about that (laughs) right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, this is Jenny from the Intentional Disc Golfer. Want to improve your putting game? Well, so do I. Target putt is the best way to help you get better at putting. This simple little tool increases your awareness of location, your distance, and your aiming. It's a highly visible target that allows you to focus better, aim more precisely, and dial in your distance. For less than the price of one disc, you'll have a durable target that you can use wherever you practice. It's really easy to use. Clip it on, step back, and start making better putts. 
unclip it, clip it to your bag or cart for future use wherever you go. We all know that you drive for show, but you putt for dough. Have better rounds, better scores, putt with confidence, and finally fix the putting part of your game. Try Target Putt. Make every putt count. Available at golfsidesports.myshopify.com. Hi there. This is Brandon from the Intentional Disc Golfer Podcast, and I want to talk to you about Disc Raptor, the ultimate disc cleaning tool. I have one attached to my disc golf bag, and it keeps me playing my best on those wet and sloppy days. Then when I'm done, I can just flip it inside out, throw it in the wash, and it's that simple. Disc Raptor is made from tough materials for durability, but its microfiber and soft scrubbing insides are gentle on your discs. Disc Raptor is also a U.S. owned and operated company. I've spoken to the owner, Colin, personally, and this is an entrepreneur that you can trust. Get yours today at discraptor.com. That's D-I-S-C-R-A-P-T-O-R.com. Disc Raptor is a proud sponsor of the Intentional Disc Golfer Podcast. Hi, this is Paul Wright with the Paul Macbeth Foundation. Support the Builders Club and support the Intentional Disc Golfer. All right, so we are back here at the Intentional Disc Golfer. We're talking about exercise and mainly exercise programming today. Our goal is to leave you with a base knowledge so that you can show up on the gym and start to work on a disc golf uh, geared type exercise regimen um, and give you just a, a big over, a very high level overview of where you can start and where you can go from there. Yeah, it's it's kind of that. So I had some coworkers asking me, what is the difference between just playing disc golf and now that I consider myself a amateur athlete with the game? So intentionally going to the gym to improve those motions, those muscle movements, that muscle memory, I think that is one place that will set you apart to be an athlete in this sport instead of just a player of the game. I think that's very well said. It has been it has been said. There's a quote that I love out there. It was actually in my ACE uh, trainer's book when I was going through my certification. What does AC stand for? Oh, ACE, the American Counselor and Council on Exercise. So there's, you know, little background, there's two there's basically two big schools for personal trainers out there. One is ACE, which is the American Council on Exercise, and one is NASM, uh, N-A-S-M, and that is the National Academy for Sports Medicine, I want to say. I'm not exactly sure. But anyway, those are the two big accredited programs. So I took the ACE certification. Um, that was a while ago. My certification has lapsed, so... I can speak from an informed position. However, I'm not an expert. I'm not currently practicing in the field. Uh, And of course, as always, do not take any of what I'm about to say as medical advice or uh, anything of that nature. Always consult your your primary care provider um, or a nutritionalist or a licensed certified personal trainer. Um, Even though you don't 
last time when I did, I did not have to have a license to be a personal trainer because there's lots of personal trainers that don't. And there's also lots of people probably nearby or not too far from where you live that play disc golf and lots of people are willing to give lessons to if you have specific questions about disc golf. So I'm ready to exercise. Where do I start? This is probably a question that a lot of people have asked themselves. What do I, why, where do I start? What do I do? Do I just show up and start aimlessly attacking whatever activity it is? Like I have a basic idea. Like it, it's, it's kind of confusing. Well, let me clear that up for you. The good news is you've already started. You're a disc golfer. Disc golfing is great exercise. If you're enjoying the game and you want to transition from just playing the game to being an athlete of the sport, there are things that you can do. You can do these activities at home. You can do them in a gym. It's up to you. The gym has all the bells and whistles that you might be interested in using, and we're going to try and help you uh, hone in on some specific exercises, some specific machines, some specific movements that we've found really have improved our game. So we're going to share what we've done in hopes that maybe it would help you improve your game. So in my ACE trainer book, it when I was going through the classes to get my certification, there was a great quote in there, and I always remember it, is that if exercise were a pill and you could you could take this pill and it would just exercise your system, uh it would be the most prescribed medication in the world. Exercise has so many benefits, not only for physical health, but also for mental health as well. And hormonal regulation, um, anxiety, depression, uh, mood stabilization. It does wonderful things for your physique as far as like getting rid of adipose tissue, strengthening joints and cartilage and ligaments and tendons. Uh, strengthening your muscles, also getting rid of that nasty adipose tissue, which is basically tissue that kind of is around your body but doesn't do anything. Also strengthening your cardiovascular system. To really to really get into some of the basics of exercise programming, we have to talk about the uh, four areas of exercise and, and fitness, and that is endurance, strength, balance, and flexibility. So uh, let's let's talk about each one of those. You know, endurance, of course, is how long you can go, and that has a lot to do with your cardiovascular system. Your cardiovascular system, as you work that out, you get your heart rate up. Your certain things start to happen to your physiology. Your heart be, is able to become stronger, which means that it can pump more blood per pump. Uh, per beat than it could before. So you actually increase your blood volume. Your your veins and arteries actually start to widen out and get bigger so that they facilitate the higher blood volume. But also you got to understand that your cardiovascular system is your super highway for all of your hormones, your nutrients, all of your nutrition, your vitamins, uh, the electrical system, You know, basically everything that runs your body goes through your bloodstream in one way or another. And and also being able to get rid of waste and remove acids and things from your muscles so that you can recover quicker. 
if you only do one thing in the exercise realm, make it cardiovascular. BC Construction Services is dedicated to growing the sport of disc golf. From sponsoring tournaments and events to volunteering with the Paul Macbeth Foundation. When you hire BC Construction Services for your project, you are supporting growing the sport that we love. Get a free quote now by contacting them at bcconstructionnw.com. bcconstructionnw.com or at 360-271-3441. That is 271-3441. Serving the greater Kitsap and eastern Jefferson County area. What's good? Eric Oakley here, and you are listening to the Intentional Disc Golfer Podcast. And we're back for this episode of the Intentional Disc Golfer. We are talking about exercise, more specifically exercise programming, because I find that's where a lot of people get lost. You show up at the gym and you kind of scratch your head. Maybe you saw some things online. Maybe you have a basic idea of what you want to do. But a lot of people don't really know why they're doing things or how they're doing them. Or you're one of those people that you're scared of the gym. Uh, you don't know what to do when you get there or you get there, you kind of start doing something and then you fall off track. So we're going to talk about all of those things within the scope of what we're doing and how we're training. Now I was a personal trainer licensed and everything. And I did that for a very brief stint. I'm not an expert, but I'm informed. So I have a basis of knowledge to go off of. Uh, but please do not take any of this as medical advice. Uh, for that, you need to go to your doctor or a uh, licensed physical therapist, personal trainer, or something of that nature. Um, don't take this as medical advice. Always use your primary care provider. And I'm certified to teach PE and help health up to eighth grade. Yes. 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 So we can both speak from an informed posi- position on uh, this topic. Now, The topic of exercise is vast and broad, Um, way too much, way much more than we can get into in in this episode. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're doing and why we designed our program the way we designed it. So when we get to the gym, first, of course, we stretch and we warm up and get a good stretch. I don't stretch. Well, maybe you should start. I haven't seen you stretch when you get there. You get on the the elliptical. No, I always I always stretch briefly. No, you don't. Briefly. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Always. No, you don't. I do. <laughs> I do. No. Okay, whatever. But you should stretch. Maybe I, I thought for, maybe I forget sometimes. I, I don't know. I thought that you said you should warm like do the treadmill for like 5 minutes or something. Then stretch because you want to do that when you're warm and then get into the cardio more. Yeah. Well, I mean, walking up those stairs at our gym is enough, warm enough, enough. You know, yeah. It's not a mountain. Yeah, it (laughs) is. There's like 20 steps. No, there's more. There's like 30. No, there's not. There's got to be. No. There's a landing. So there has to be at least 24. No, there's not. Yep. But anyway, um, when you show up at the gym, the the first thing you should do is you know, do a little bit of movement to kind of loosen up, 
get your heart rate beating just a little bit faster. Um, we're going to talk about heart rate a lot because that has a lot to do with your cardio and cardio is hugely important. Probably the most important part of exercising, um, aside from resistance training, which we'll talk about also, but get a little, get your heart rate up a little bit, shake around. Um, I wouldn't go and chug a bunch of water though, because that could be bad. Um, yeah, so you know, definitely drink water, but don't chug a bunch. And do do some basic stretching. Of course, you know, stretch out your hamstrings, your your calf muscles, uh, your legs, um, and loosen up your shoulders and things. One thing that I always forget to stretch and we need to is my neck and my core. You have you, you those are really two very important things, and and I tend to neglect those often. So the next step in our training program is we usually do a half hour of cardio um, on the treadmill or treadmill elliptical. It could be a stair climber, um, could be a rowing machine, Uh, a bicycle works too. Um, And this, the purpose of this is not necessarily to build your muscle muscles. It's to build your heart muscles and your lungs. Now, why is that important? Uh, you need them to live. Yes. 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 You need to breathe. <gasps> and you need blood. I've always said breathing's overrated. You have to have blood. Right? Yeah. Well. I always look at it as you're doing that to warm up your muscles because like most things, you don't want to do it cold. And we've even talked about like when you go out and disc golf, you want to warm up first and not just throw cold. So what causes your muscles to warm up? What constitutes that? Probably the uh, stretching and contracting of the muscles and the pumping of the blood through them. The pumping of the blood actually has more to do with it than the stretching and contracting of the muscles. So what you're doing when you're, you're doing your cardio is you're actually working out that most important muscle, which is the heart. And I know, I know it's the, the heart of a disc golfer. So the most important muscle is the heart in the human body. I mean, aside from the brain, I say the brain is a muscle, um, but the heart is a very important muscle. And the reason that cardiovascular is so important is because there's a lot of things that happen to your body when you work that cardiovascular system. First of all, your heart's going to get stronger and able to pump more blood per per beat than if you were just living a sedentary lifestyle and didn't exercise very much at all and work that muscle. Which also means that your heart rate goes down so you don't have as high of a heart rate because you have less beats per minute when you're at a resting heart rate. Yes, exactly. Your heart rate does go down. Um, when you work that muscle because the volume of blood goes up and the purpose, the reason that is, is because more oxygen is getting to your muscles. And so there are a bunch of nervous signals and everything. And the muscles say, Hey, I need more oxygen. So your, your blood, your heart pumps faster to get more oxygen to those muscles. Well, if you're pumping more blood, more oxygen is getting to those muscles, your heart and your muscles become more efficient. Um, one of the other parts of that is your, you always see these bodybuilder guys and they got veins sticking out all over the place. That is because your veins actually start to widen and start to become more supple. 
so that they are able to transport a larger volume of blood of blood to those uh, different areas. Now, that's twofold because on the other side, it's a delivery system. But on the other side of that is that it's also a waste system. Your bloodstream, your cardiovascular is very essential for recovery and actually taking waste out of your muscles and getting rid of those lactic acids so that you don't fatigue, you don't cramp, and that you can recover faster, let's say, between rounds. And also, if you do cardio, you raise your body temperature, and that helps to fight off infections and increase your immune system. It increases your, well, and it also increases your metabolism too through thermogenesis. So if you have a higher body temperature, you actually burn more calories than you do if you have a lower body temperature. Fun fact, if you're a woman and you are pregnant with a boy, you get all the perks of the boy's increased metabolism and increased body temperature while you're pregnant with them. Ooh, yeah, thermogenesis. It's a Which I want to put a huge shout out there to my friend Bernie. They're finally expecting a little boy after years and years of treatment. Yes, so, congratulations to yes. them. We're very, very happy for them. Yes. Yeah. So thermogenesis, um, that's why a lot of these weight loss supplements, and we'll talk a little bit about supplements later in the episode, but just to touch on this, uh, a lot of these weight loss supplements that you get, you know, you, you take them and they try to, you know, kind of increase your heart rate a little bit and they have a lot of things in there and you feel like you're kind of hot and your skin is kind of crawling. Well, that's thermogenesis. The idea is, is that we're going to raise your body temperature to get your metabolism going so that you can, uh, so that you can burn more calories even when you're at rest. That's why my dad always put red pepper on things. Yeah. Red, red pepper, uh, hot sauces, things like that. I mean, there's there's a lot of different little tricks and things that you could you know, uh, of course for like very specific information you're gonna have to talk to a registered dietitian or a nutritionist to to uh, do that. Um, so cardiovascular and so when we train for our cardiovascular system in our program we set a time limit of 30 minutes. We don't care about the distance. What we're looking at more so is monitoring our heart rate. And the reason we're doing that is so that we can control what metabolism system our energy is pulling from. So there's three metabolism systems. There's, uh, and they're all phosphate chains of, of some sort. But those things on the back of the food packages, we talked about them before, they have the sugars, or they have not sugars. It's the same thing as carbs. They have carbs, proteins, and fats. Those are your three main power sources. And so the way we gear our, our, our cardiovascular program is to watch our heart rate. And we like to put our heart rate. I mean, I'm turning 40, you're 39. Uh, and as you get older, your maximum heart rate actually drops quite a bit. Um, and so we like to put our heart rate right around like 120 to 130 beats per minute. And what that does is that allows our body to utilize fat as the power source because it's an oxidative uh, metabolism. And so it actually takes our fat stores and turns it into energy 
um, because it's an endurance type thing, also the oxygen. And we want to avoid uh, going above that because then we get into our sugar storage and things like that and uh, depleting our glycogen stores. So that's why we try to keep our heart rate in this specific zone of about 120 to 130, sometimes up to 140, but 140 is pushing it. I try and keep it within the 130 to 140. And for me, so a lot of times we'll be on the same machine next to each other. And Brandon's working a lot harder than I am because it takes him more effort to get to that heart rate than it takes me. Yeah. And my heart, I'll be working my butt off and your heart, my heart rate will actually be lower, lower than yours. But that's just because I have a bigger heart because I'm a male and I have a higher metabolism and there are you know, different physiological uh, differences between men and female, uh, male and female. What are you saying about my heart? Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> no, I have a smaller heart than you do. Well, yeah, it that's, grew that's three sizes that day. <laughs> I gotta, I'm going to have to edit in that song. <laughs> the Grinch. The, the green one, Mr. Grinch. But, it's not Christmas yet. I know. So, um, and, th- and that's why we gear that. Now, the heart rate thing is different for every person. And we could get into a big, long thing about phosphate chains and ATP and all this stuff. Is, you know, the thing to understand is that your body is a factory to make this stuff called adenosine triphosphate. It's ATP for short. And it has a lot of different ways of doing that using the three macronutrients, which is protein, carbs, and fats. And controlling how much oxygen gets into our system through our heart rate lets us determine which power source we're drawing off of. And so just underneath what's called ventilatory threshold one, and the way you can test that is if you can do your cardiovascular activity and actually carry on a conversation, um, you know, maybe test it by singing ABCs or Mary Had a Little Lamb or something. And if you can do that with a fair amount of ease, um, then you're right there at that ventilatory threshold one. Now, there is a second ventilatory threshold two, which is. Like if you're in a dead sprint, if you're in a dead sprint, you can't talk, you can't sing, you can't do any of these higher cardiovascular functions. So uh, that is when you are drawing on glycogen stores. So ventilatory threshold one, you want to be just underneath that. You should be able to carry on a conversation with ease. Your heart rate target should be somewhere, depending on your maximum heart rate, it should be somewhere Roughly, and I would give it a wide range, maybe like 110 to 140 for most people. I do want to correct something, though, yes. is that you should you should be able to carry on a conversation. However, you shouldn't be able to sing. You should be working hard enough that you can't necessarily sing. Well, it wouldn't be like singing well. It would be just, well, the, you know, still, that's that was something. Have the breath support that you can... That's always that. been something that I've worked with is that you need to be able to, you can carry a conversation, excuse me, however you can't sing a song. You need to work a little harder. You shouldn't be able to sing. Anyway, that's that's how you test for that ventilatory threshold. And again, that's because we want to control which power source we are drawing off of. That puts us in that fat burning zone. 
Um, so we usually start off our exercise routine with doing cardio. Uh, it's not about distance. We usually set a timer of we're going to go this long and we try to spend as much time as possible in that, that specific heart rate zone so that we can draw as much, you know, we might be drawing 400 calories, uh, in a 30 minute workout from that cardiovascular, but we're drawing 400 calories of fat stores. Or you're like me and you're lucky if you hit 200, a hundred, maybe because well, you know, I don't end up burning that many calories when I'm working. Well, I think that brings up a good point. So one of the kids said the other day, um, that it, it takes as many calories to walk a mile as it does to run a mile. It becomes a fun at that point, it becomes a function of time because if you're running a mile, of course it's going to be, you know, a lot shorter time than if you're walking a mile. But when you do the math on it and there's an equation where you can take, uh, the revolutions per minute, divide it by a rate and multiply it times, a this or that, and you can actually convert watt energy, like electrical energy, into calories. And so that's how those exercise machines work, is they actually take your energy generation in in watts and multiply them times a number, divide them by a different number, and spit out how many calories that you are burning. So yes, it is an estimate, but it's a pretty good estimate of how many calories you're burning. And if you notice on those exercise machines, if if you turn the resistance up, your output goes up and you actually burn more calories. Well, that makes sense because if you have more resistance, it takes more work, more watt energy to turn that wheel or whatever it is, and that converts into more calories. So interesting little physics factoid there. So talking about burning the calories, you use the elliptical with arm movements. I use the elliptical that doesn't have the arm things as the stationary arms. And I'm working harder for me not moving my arms because my heart rate goes up so quickly versus you, you're not only moving your legs, but you're moving your arms. And so there are things you can do even just on a cardio machine to either increase the amount of calories burned and the how hard you're working or decrease it. Well, let me, you know, why did we choose elliptical machines? Why did we decide to go with that instead of like say a traditional treadmill or cuz our knees our knees and our hips. Yeah, they're an elliptical machine is lower impact. Um the downside of it is it does affect your stride length. So, um I have a very long stride. So the elliptical machine took some getting used to for me and it actually changed my walking gait. But now I'm a lot smoother and a lot uh, more consistent. And the elliptical machines also, uh, the cardiovascular, uh, at least upright, also helps with balance um, with the, on a treadmill or on a stair stepper or anything like that. It does help uh, with balance. And balance, believe it or not, is something that you can train it's in the uh, the four areas of fitness is you can train balance. Um, all those little muscles and, and the, your proprioception, which is where uh, your orientation in space, your awareness of where you are in space, 
And you can train all those little muscles and actually become very, very good at staying balanced and staying upright. Which is great when you're on those hills and you have to throw. Or when you're doing a walk-up and you're trying to make sure that your hips and your shoulders are level and you have a neutral spine. Um, those are all very important things. And that, that can all come from balance. That also comes from another place, which is a great segue into the next part of our exercise program. We need to talk about core and have a discussion about core. Um, along with cardiovascular, I would say if you can do nothing else, do cardiovascular. Okay, you'll get some uh, peripheral benefits to your musculature from doing cardiovascular, but you will see big time uh, improvements in your energy levels, your energy output, uh, your your mood, all sorts of things. If you show up to the gym and you can't lift weights or anything like that, do cardiovascular. We're talking about core, moving into core. Well, what is core? Jenny, Do you, what do you think core is? Core is your um, abdominal and your back muscles. Yes. So core, core muscles are the ones that cover the squishy bits. Basically, the area between your ribs and your pelvic bone. Um, so yes, your levitators in your back and then your abdominals and your obliques in your sides. Now, why are those important? Your, your core muscles are your stabilization. Everything in stabilize that's what helps you keep your spine aligned, neutral spine. It what it's what helps keep you upright. Um, if you don't have core, you can't walk, you can't run, you can't bend. And not only that, but having a strong core also prevents injury. Well, and if we're thinking of disc golf, when I really started focusing on uh, the whip action, it's all core. Like, it's not arm muscle. Like, my throw does not come from my arm. It's all my core. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, my it, core and my hips. Well, you mentioned Kristen Tatara earlier. And the first time we started, we're back when we first started watching uh, the Disc Golf Pro Tour, um, I, made it, I remember making a comment to you saying, like, these people are all ripped. They're, they're all stacked from the waist down. I mean, every single disc golfer that I've seen has very strong musculature in their legs and around, around their hips. I think Jennifer Allen might be a really good example of that too. Jennifer Allen's a very good example. Kristen Tatar is a heck of an example. I mean, she's, she's a beast. It like, she has thighs that are just gigantic and like Ezra Aderhold, for is example. Not. <laughs> Ezra Aderhold has these little chicken calves. It's the weirdest thing. He's got these huge, these huge muscles, these huge upper legs, but these little teeny chicken calves. I, I like. I saw him in shorts, and it was just weird, right? It's like, where's the rest of you? I know, right? Like, there, yeah. It's disproportionate. It's like one of those books, you know, where you get to choose the legs and the hips and the head and the, the yeah. It's like. Someone, I know someone right? gave me the wrong legs. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I feel bad for him because it's like I know he works his calves, like he has to. The rest of his physique is so tuned in, but it's like he was just blessed with these little skinny calves. But anyway, sorry, Ezra. <laughs> we think you're great. Even flamingos are 
Animals too. Flamingos have feelings too. That's mean. <laughs> That's mean. I have big calves. Like I've got legs. <laughs> like my grandma told me that she's like, you've got legs. There you I've go. I've always had legs. Thanks, grandma. There you go. So core is very important. I think it's, you know, aside from, you know, keeping you upright, keeping you stable, it, it, one of its major functions is preventing injury. If you have a strong core, that will comp- compensate for a lot of different muscle movements that can cause you, your body harm. So core is very, very, very important. And I'm not talking that you need to do like a million sit-ups or whatever. Just give it some attention. Make sure it's toned and in shape. You know. Well, I can attest to that too because I have a an unfair advantage when it comes to my core and it's also a deficit because I have titanium rods in my back. And so there's been a lot of things I've been able to do because I have that extra support in my back, which makes my core just naturally stronger because I have titanium rods in my back. Yeah. 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 You have your metal reinforced. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So moving on from core, don't neglect core. Please don't neglect core, especially your obliques and disc golf. That's going to eliminate a lot of troubles and also give you some more distance on your shot, which I know that everybody wants to be able to throw an effortless 400 feet. And if you're one of those people that either you're not used to being in the gym or you're not comfortable with going to the gym and working on your core, not sure how to do that. Some things I would suggest is one thing that is always recommended is that you hold your core muscles tight when you're doing other movements. So just practice contracting your core muscles releasing them and and practice doing things with your core muscles contracted because that's going to help you to build those muscles. Also, there are a lot of core exercises you can do standing up that don't require you to say lay down on the ground or do a sit up per se. There are plenty of exercises you can just kind of like dance around, move around and and work your core. Well, one of the most fantastic exercise programs is yoga. If you can do 10 to 15 minutes of yoga, like there's a lot of core involved with yoga. And I tell you, you know, the ancients, they really understood something there with the range of motion, motion, uh, the core, and also, um, uh, what's the word for it? The Well, what I'm trying to say is that if you're not even comfortable with doing yoga yet... Because maybe the idea of bending over and touching your toes or the ground is not fun. Or the idea of laying on the ground and then having to get back up. Like, there are things you can do that don't require you to do those things. Yeah. I'm, I'm just offering that up as a suggestion. Is Yoga is a great low-impact way of strengthening your core and also other uh, musculature. Um, yeah. When, and how long did we stick with our yoga? Program? Well, that's cause that's cause life uh-huh. sucks sometimes. I don't know. We stuck with this other one a lot longer than yoga. Well, yeah, because this one fits our, our needs more. Exactly. Yeah. But yo, we started with yoga and it, okay. it, it find it, baby goat yoga or puppy yoga. Just do it. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Better. That is cool. That is way better. Having puppies climb all over you. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but no, when we started doing yoga, it was, um, you know, we ended up, you know, truth be told, we ended up giving it up because like life got in the way 
and uh, it became problematic. So we had to abandon that. But uh, what we found was just some yoga videos on Amazon. And they had all sorts of... On YouTube. Was it on YouTube? They were all on YouTube. Well, the ones I found were on Amazon. All the ones we played were on YouTube. Okay. Well, anyway, there's lots... Unless you were doing yoga without me. No. They're all on YouTube. There is lots... There was... There is lots of free resources out there and instructors that uh, are very good and want to uh, do yoga and you can do it at any level. I mean, there's a 10 minute beginner yoga. There's a 45 minute advanced yoga. You know, there's, uh, there's a hour and a half cuss and pray yoga. Like there's whatever you can, whatever you can think of. Uh, there's a yoga for it, I guess. I'm so happy that you, (laughs) (laughs) there's a yoga for that. That's going (laughs) to, (laughs) <laughs> cuss and pray yoga huh cuss and pray yoga i'm gonna have to look that one you up. just caught that one no i caught that a while ago I'm, i find it that entertaining that i'm still thinking about it cuss like and pray cuss yoga. and pray yoga like honestly we stopped because the kids were like why are you guys doing yoga in our living room like feed us so we've had to take our exercise routine out of the house in order to focus on it yeah yeah and that's just kind of a consequence of our own thing but um, so yeah, anyway, we kind of got off on a kind of, but core, core is a big deal. Now, the next thing that we have incorporated into our, uh, exercise program is resistance training. Um, resistance training doesn't necessarily have to mean weights. You can reuse resistance bands. You can use, uh, inclines, declines, uh, boxes. You can use body weight exercises to, uh, and a lot of people are just going to start with body weight exercises. Resistance or weight lifting is more advanced. Um, and that's something you really have to train for and be ready for. Well, not really with the, the weight machines to. that they have now. Like you can jump right in and a lot of them show you how to use them on the weight machine. And you can even look up the weight machine and, and see how to use it. Well, so you can jump right in. And if you are going to, I recommend you start like I did, which is something really low and you start tracking it and try and maybe go up five pounds the next time you try or, or start low while you're learning them, yeah. learning the movements and then move up. So I guess as long as you're talking about it, let's talk about those three things is body weight exercises, uh, weight machines versus free weights. And so body weight exercises are going to be appropriate for a lot of people as you get stronger and more fit. And this is just my opinion is as you get stronger and more fit, I find that body weight exercises don't, they, you have, eventually you have to up your workload. Eventually you're going to have to progress, which means you're going to have to, instead of doing 50 body squats, you're going to have to do a hundred body squats. Instead of doing 25 pushups, you're going to have to do 50 pushups and, and the sky's the limit, but eventually you're not going to want to be doing a thousand pushups in a day. That's just, that's going to take all day long. And I think part of it too, is what your goal is. It depends upon your goal. If you want to stick with the body weight movements, go to resistance bands or actually start using weights because it depends. Are you trying to bulk up your muscles? Are you trying to be fit and tone? Are you trying to be flexible? Like it depends on what your actual goals are. What type of exercises are going to be best for you? 
Yeah, and and let's let's talk about that while we're talking about this. Is that so? You have body weight exercises, and what body weight exercises are good for is shredding. So that very like not necessarily bulking up, but that very like small, lean, agile muscle mass, like you like toned, having a toned body, toned, toned, but yes. not necessarily like huge, not bulky, exactly. Yes. Um, this this is like great for like marathon runners, sprinters, track and field athletes, basketball players, disc golfers, golfers, regular golfers. Ew. I know ball golfers, right? And also disc golfers too. Um, and then, but the problem with bodyweight exercises is event you're gonna have to keep to keep gaining more and more and more fitness levels. You're going to have to. In, in increase your workload and eventually you're just going to run out of time. You're going to rec- increase your lo- workload so much that you have to exercise every, all day just to meet your goals. And so that eventually you work your way out of body weight exercises and then you can move on to things like resistance training. I don't agree with you. Okay. Because a lot of our fitness comes from the food that we eat first. And then if you have an exercise routine and you're at a place where you're you're good with it, like you don't have to then add additional stuff to it. Well, like you you're going to get to a point where if you're satisfied, you're just maintaining instead of trying to increase or decrease. Well, I'm glad that you said that cuz bodyweight exercises are also good for maintaining. Um however, if you are doing resistance lifting and things like that. Your if you go back to a body weight exercise, your your body will actually regress and atrophy back down to those body weight levels. So once once you progress, you got to keep progressing, otherwise you will atrophy. The thing about exercise is you're going to either move uh, or fitness, I should say, not just exercise. Fitness is a whole different deal. Um, the thing about fitness is you have to move all in one direction or all in another. And so it's either up and up and up and up or down and down and down and down. And too many of us in today's society with things just being so convenient at our fingertips and everything, it's more so to the down and down and down and down towards that sedentary lifestyle. I mean, how many of our listeners sit behind a desk all day and type at computers and, you know, program and whatever. Uh, I have a guy coming out with me this weekend. That's, going to be uh he's a computer programmer and that's all he does is sit at a desk all day so there's there's that isn't he flipping a house too like he's not just plus our listeners i believe are all disc golfers they're all disc golfers well like i said so they're not living a sedentary lifestyle Well, like i said before if you you need if you need to know where to start good news is you've already started you're a disc golfer so um, now moving on to uh, machines versus free weights. Um, they have their pros and cons. Uh, I like machines for a few different reasons is because they help you really to stabilize and isolate certain muscle groups and get very, very specific with your workout, um, especially if you want to get real in tight and work those little, little itty bitty teeny areas. Um, they're great from that. Also, a lot of machines out there you can use without a safety spotter. Um, 
so that that's another good advantage to them. And they offer some restriction in movement, so it reduces the risk of injury. So those are those are some of the pros to using machines. I like the machines for certain exercises and also when I'm feeling lazy and don't want to be at the gym. I like using the machines <laughs> because I can get my... So what I do is I'm able to get in about six with the amount of time that we have. Six machines, do my reps. However, I prefer to do more like probably it's more like a CrossFit with doing the aerobics and then doing the full body lifting with free weights where you're like doing a squat and a bicep curl at the same time. Mm. So I prefer like I'm to the point now where some of the machines I can tell I'm not hitting the weight, the hitting, uh, hitting the muscles that I want to hit the way that I would if I was using free weights. So I'm going to have to uh, swallow my pride and go do the free weights. So that's a, that's a great segue into talking about free weights. Why are free weights so good? Why do you keep using Segway? Because it's it. It's the it. Remember that? The it? No. When it was, well, the, that guy who... Anyways. Whatever. Anyway, long story. Um, so we transition into free weights. I didn't say segue. I just... Oh, yeah, I know. Increased transition your vocabulary. Now, <laughs> why... Do I like, why are freed weights? What, what are some of the pros to free weights? <laughs> Sorry. You just said freed weights. Freed weights. <laughs> They're free. They're free. I let them loose. So free weights are weights that are like the bars, the dumbbells, things of that nature that aren't necessarily attached to a cable or a pulley system. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason that free weights have some advantages is they're not attached to anything. So all the stabilization and everything has to come from you. So imagine a bench press where you're laying on your back and you're pushing the bar up. Well, there's a machine that does that. But what happens if you, if what happens if you press harder on one arm than you do the other? Well, the machine's going to take over and the whole thing's going to go up. But if you don't balance that out on a free weight, one side of the bar is going to be lower than the other and so it forces you into a concept of fitness called symmetry, where you want to be the same on both sides. Um, it's also a big deal in bodybuilding is symmetry. You want your, your different hemispheres of your body to be the same size so that you don't look all, all weird. And that's one of the things that drives me crazy about uh, one move that we do that's exactly the disc golf throw with the, I don't even know what machine that is. It's one of, the, one of the resistance weight machines. Oh, the cable. Yeah, but anyways, so I can do that right-handed, no problem, because I'm a right-handed thrower. I stand, I even just try and get into the stance for my left hand to do the same movement, and it like gives me a headache because I'm not used to doing that movement with that side, and mm -hmm. so it's weird. Uh, symmetry is very important to fitness and that's one of the advantages to using free weights is that you have to do the same workload with both sides of your body. So, uh, you're not going to be able to at first. That's why I recommend maybe starting on machines and working up to free weights. Uh, but you want, you want your body to be fairly equal on both sides. And 
the reason you want that is not only so you don't look weird, but also being symmetrical on both sides also helps prevent injury and it protects you against something called a compensated muscle movement. You had mentioned something about that earlier when you were talking about your having rods in your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what a compensated muscle movement is, is just how it sounds. And the way I can best explain it is, so let's say you're you know, playing soccer and you twist your ankle, right? And you twist your ankle, you can't really walk on that foot very well. It's very uncomfortable. So what does your body automatically do? It automatically shifts your muscles and, and your brain signals and things around to allow you to be able to still walk and still function even though you have that painful ankle and take pressure on that an- off that ankle. Now, if you do that for an extended period of time, that programming becomes semi-permanent in, in your brain and in your muscles also, and you will have that compensated muscle movement. That's another reason why exercise and fitness is so important is because those compensated muscle movements can lead to greater injuries, posture problems. It can lead to a deterioration of your joints and things up on one side or, or the other ligaments. And it's, it increases the wear and tear to one specific area of your body. Now that's the great thing about doing resistance training is all those little muscles, all those big muscle groups, we call them prime movers, uh, they start to level each other out and work with each other a little bit better. And what you'll notice after maybe a week or two, I mean, it's quick. It happens quick. After a week or two of doing this stuff is that you'll be able to move a lot easier. Your motions and everything will be a lot smoother. Um, you'll be able to complete the kinetic chain without having any like glitches or hitches or, or anything of that nature. And then you combine that with cardio and you're going to, it's going to feel so much better. Your energy levels are going to go up. You're not going to be hurting as much. Uh, your pain is, your pain levels are going to go down. If you experience chronic pain, you're going to be able to sleep better and regulate your emotions and hormones and things like that better too. Yeah. Fitness does a ton for hormone regulation. Um, hormone regulation, anxiety, depression, uh, you know, energy levels are a big one. I mean, you know, a lot of people say they go to the gym and they're like, yeah, I feel like I'm 18 again. Well, it's like, remember how you used to act when you were 18. Like you were, (laughs) you know, if you're anything like me, you're like playing sports every day and go crazy, like very active. Um, so yeah, resistant resistance training. Now, when we're talking about resistance training as it pertains to uh, physiology or programming, when we're talking about resistance training as, a, as you know, it pertains to programming, there are different modalities of resistance training. Um, so just to touch on a couple of them briefly, there's like a powerlifting modality which what you're trying to do is you're trying to increase your one rep maximum. So you might do like a super heavy weight, but only do like three reps and then walk around for 10 minutes and then do three more reps. A rep is, is how many times you perform the task and a, and a it set stands for repetition, repetition. Yep. 
and a, a set is a group of repetitions together. So when we talk about sets and reps, that's, you know, if you don't know or are new to this, that that's what that means. And so like a powerlifting type regimen for like, this is like Olympic powerlifters do this. They will do the one exercise. They will perform it like three times at a super heavy resistance. And then they will walk around for 10 minutes and let their energy levels come back into their muscles. Right. So the second one is more of a bodybuilding type of, uh, type of program. So that one involves slightly heavier weights, usually about 80%, uh, 75 to 80% of your one rep maximum. Um, that's how much weight you can lift if you only lifted it once, like absolutely burnt out. And so you 70 to 80% of your one rep map maximum, and then you'll perform that, uh, you'll perform three sets of 10 reps. So 30 repetitions total broken up into sets of 10. Um, and for that, you want to work till failure. And isn't that one usually 10 to 12 reps? You can go up to 12 to yeah. as many as 12. Yeah, 10 to 12. But 10 is kind of that kind of the standard. There's some people that go even heavier and only go to eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere in that eight Some, to 12. Somewhere to eight to 12, depending on what you're comfortable lifting. Um, now that type of modality will make you stronger. I mean, no doubt. However, that type of modality is geared towards something called hytropathy. And that's that swell, that bulk. And it's mostly a lot of like cushy water weight stuff. If you take a professional bodybuilder and put him up a against a, you know this little skinny like MMA guy, well, who's who's going to win in a wrestling match? The MMA guy will win because the MMA guy is actually stronger, even though he's not like super huge. So that's a big difference. As where power lifters, they can generate a lot of power really quickly, but they have zero endurance, and so that's what we were talking about the first one. Now the third one is more geared towards what we're doing. We're doing more of a volume based or shred workout. We don't we not only want to gain muscle, but we also want to gain muscle that's going to last a long time and have that endurance factor to it. And so uh what Go we're ahead. increasing our lean muscle mass. We're incre- we're increasing our lean muscle mass and not our bulk. Um, you're still going to get some bulking a little bit. I mean, your muscles are going to get more lean. They're going to get you know tougher, and they're gonna they're gonna grow. It's just part of working out and being you know doing resistance training. But they're not going to get super huge like a bodybuilder. Um, and th- so the way we do that is we're actually doing three sets of 20 reps, so 60 repetitions per exercise. Or three sets of 15. Well, we go 15 15 to 20 20 is our our thing. So we go three sets of 15 to 20. So we go anywhere. And you can go down as low as 12, right? It's like somewhere in that 12 to 20. No, it's 15 to 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're doing 15 to 20. It's a volume-based workout. We are using lighter weights, so we're probably going maybe 60% of our one rep maximum. Um, 
and those numbers aren't exact. I mean, you got to kind of feel it out a little bit. It takes a while to really dial in what resistances you're at. Yeah, we're like 10 weeks in, I want to say. And I definitely started really light. And now I'm starting to go up to those heavier weights and I'll see if I can, like I'll try lifting once and see where I feel and see if I think I can get to 15. And sometimes I'll have to go from, say I'm at 35 and I'll have to drop down to 30 for the remaining two. Yeah. Well, I'll address that next is, is how do I know when to move up and wait and how do I know when to progress? So just to make sure I'm clear is we do 15 to 20 repetitions, uh, three sets of 15 to 20 repetitions. And we have, we have a rule when we work out, it's, we always finish our set. Even if we have to drop down a weight, uh, drop down five pounds, 10 pounds, even if we have to take a break, we always finish our set no matter what, because this, this workout program is about volume and it's about lifting as many times as you can, not necessarily as much as you can in a short time. Oh, Yes. What I wanted to say is that, so if you're working one muscle group, say it's your biceps, I recommend trying to do the opposite muscle, the triceps, with the same number of repetitions, close to the same weight as much as you can. So like, I try and do all my core, like if I'm doing my abdomen, I try and do the same with my back Okay. to keep it. With that well, consistency. Well, it's it's different for everybody. I know. But as, I'm just saying, as a place to start, if you don't know where to start, try and, and do very similar with the opposing muscle groups. Well, I mean, I, I, I got to disagree with that. because Because, like, for me, for example, like, take, for example, if I were to do a bicep curl, I can probably curl 25 pounds, right? I mean, let's just say for figure's sake. But I know for a fact my tricep extensions, my tricep, which is the other side, the underside of your arm, right? My tricep extensions, I can do probably 50, 60 pounds. And so symmetry, symmetry means symmetry is more about the same muscle group on either side of your body rather than the same amount of weight front and back because it's different muscle groups. Does that make sense? I'm also saying for reps. So like for me, if I work my back a certain number of reps, I try and do the same with my abs. Well, you, you And if you, I'm doing, a, I do different number of reps for my lower body than I do for my upper body. And I try and do the same rep for my lower bodies. Conception, conceptually, that's a good goal uh, as a starting off point. As you become more and more attuned to the way your body works, however, you're going to notice that you're going to need to work different muscle groups more. And you have to consider that each one of these muscle groups is its own individual thing. Even the same groups on different sides of your body, like you said, is that you can do one exercise on your right side because that's the way you throw, but you're very much weaker on the other side and have to work that one out more um it'll take a while to gain that but you will gain it so you have to kind of treat each muscle group and each muscle individually um so that's a good good place to start conceptually 
but moving moving forward it's not going to be where you want to stay now if you're talking about repetitions as far as doing like 15 ab crunches to 15 back extensions yeah i could see that but they might be different weights or different resistances i should say so talking about the resistance training we're we're on a volume based program which means we want to put up as much volume as possible and not necessarily the heaviest weight possible and what that's going to do is it's going to strengthen our endurance it's going to strengthen our lean muscle mass it's going to uh, it's less taxing on our heart so we can use that heart rate again to make sure that we're drawing from the appropriate energy stores that we want to draw from and the other thing about it is that for disc golf, you need to be able to generate a lot of energy in a very short amount of time. The trick that we do when we do this is we, when we lift, we try to lift fast. And we try to get these reps in as quickly as possible because that trains our explosiveness. And explosiveness is how quickly you can accelerate or decelerate into a certain movement. And so that's another reason why we're doing this program the way we're doing it. So we're doing 15 to 20 reps, three sets of each, and then we're trying to complete them as quickly as possible. And on that third set, we want to try to fail. And I mean like fatigue to where we physically cannot lift that thing anymore or perform that function anymore. It doesn't hurt. Don't be scared. It doesn't hurt. And you want, you want to fatigue and you want to fail somewhere in the 15 to 18 range. If you're failing on that third set in the 15 to 18 repetition range, then it's time to increase your resistance. So, uh, Jenny, you were talking about, you asked a good question is like, when should people progress? We talked about it a little bit back in the deliberate practice episode about when you should progress. Well, with resistance training, you should be able to progress when you're 80% of the way there. And it's not work out in that same area until you feel super comfortable and then move on. You should actually push yourself a little. It is totally okay to be proactive and set goals for yourself maybe three, four weeks out and say, hey, I want to increase up to 20 pounds. And then you have checkpoints and you can actually schedule what you're going to work on. And you can work those resistances and work slowly work your way up to get to those things. You know, so if I schedule something for, you know, if I want to put 20 pounds of resistance on my bench press, because uh, everybody knows what a bench press is, at least I'm assuming. Um, if I want to put 20 pounds on my bench press, I might schedule that for four weeks out and say, okay, well, you know, I'm doing a hundred pounds this week. So next week I'm going to increase my weight to 105 pounds. The next week I'm going to increase my weight to 110 pounds, 115 and so on and so on until I get to that 120 pounds. Now, granted, I might not make it to that 120 pounds, but I'm definitely not going to be sitting at a hundred pounds for four weeks. And if you're sitting, if you're sitting at the same weight for that long, I mean, just starting out, you're going to, I, yes. I, I, I want to cut in before yeah, you talk yeah, yeah. about that because that's like me starting out after not doing an exercise routine seriously for like seven years. Um, 
I was struggling to do a five pound chest press and I was struggling for about four or five weeks to do that five pound chest press. And so I had to work up from that. And don't, you know, don't get discouraged because when you start on a resistance training program, it takes a little while for all those little mini muscles and everything to catch up to your prime mover muscles, your big mover muscles. Um, so if you're sitting at, you know, the same weight for a few weeks when you first start out, that's fine. You know, don't, you don't want to push yourself to the point where you're going to injure yourself. Um, but once you get to that point and you're feeling really good about it, that's when you need to really start progressing with intention. And like I said, if I schedule something for four weeks out that I'm going to gain 20 pounds, I might not gain 20 pounds. I might only gain 15, but do you think I'm going to be mad at that? No, I just put 15 pounds of resistance on my bench press. So being proactive about it and setting goals is a big part of you know, resistance tra- or not resistance training, but just fitness in general um, and setting different, you know, some people have the goal of, I want to run a marathon. I want to run a three K or five K, you know, I want to be able to ride my bike in this race. I want to be able to do an Ironman disc golf challenge and play three rounds in a day, um, which actually wasn't all that bad to tell you the truth. Um, and things of that nature, or even just, I don't want to be fatigued after the first round and feel like I'm going to die by whole nine. Like that, that could be another goal of yours, but your goal setting should be proactive. You should schedule it out with intention using those, uh, smarter goals. The smarter goal format is probably one of the better ways to do it. And if you need to know what that is, uh, please do go back and listen to our smarter goal episode. Cause we explain it in detail, um, at, at length. So that could help you out. Um, so as far as deciding what exercises we do, what I, what the way I designed this program is I divided the body up into quadrants. And so if I'm looking at the body from the side, so uh, profile, um, you have your upper front part of your body which is one quadrant, which all, where your pectorals, your biceps, your deltoids, your uh, abdominals, um, all of those muscles are. And then you have your upper back quadrant where your, your lats, uh, some of your rotators, your uh, levitators, your rhomboids, your serratus, all of those, your triceps, all of those muscles are. And then the bottom front quadrant which is your quads, your you know soleus, your um, the the different muscles on the front side of your of your shins, uh, your some of your hip flexors, um, your lower abdominals, and then the bottom rear quadrant, which is your your glutes, your biceps femoris, your calves, uh, your Achilles, your hams, st- uh, things of that nature, and so I divided the body up into the four different quadrants because. All I'm looking at right now is with our with our exercise needs, you know, of course we need to exercise. However, we're parents and business people and we have life and we have obligations. So we wanted to hit this in a way that would be uh, time sensitive so that it wouldn't take a lot of time with hitting every single little muscle group, but still get the job done. So... When we choose the exercises that we're doing, we're working each one of these four quadrants opposite 
kitty corner each other. So the ideal is, is that if I'm doing, let's say a bench press, that is my upper front quadrant of the body, looking at it from the side, from a profile view, my upper front quadrant, if I'm working my, uh, if I'm doing a bench press, so my partner exercise to that would to be doing a leg curl where I'm working my glutes and my calves and bicep biceps femoris. Uh, your glutes is your butt muscles, by the way, if you don't know what those are. So it would be kitty corner, front upper Wait, to back lower. Wait, you just explained glutes, and you've mentioned like three or four different muscles that I've never heard of. So your biceps femoris. No, I don't know. That's not. <laughs> I know what my bicep is, but there were other ones that you described that I don't even know what those your are. Gastrocnemius. What? Your gastrocnemius. It's your calf. Your calf muscles, your biceps femoris. Use English. Your biceps femoris. Not Latin. Use English. <laughs> your biceps femoris are, is the muscle on the back of your leg. It commonly referred to as like your ham, but your hamstring, your hamstring is actually the ligament that runs all the way down your leg. So, Dude, speak English. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, how else do you like? What, there's not really like a slang term. I mean, you could guess you could call it your ham, your hamstring. Yeah, I would. Okay. I would. Okay. So thank you. The uh, <laughs> the upper front quadrant. So like your pectoral muscles, your bicep, your chest muscles, your chest muscles, your biceps, which are your front of your arm. The, you know, the Arnold I, I think muscles, people know biceps. Yeah, biceps. That's common. Yeah. Um, and then your abdominals, people know what abdominals are. Your stomach muscles. So then I go so then I would go kitty corner and work the backs of my legs. And you know, so I go from upper front to back lower and work the uh, the kitty corner quadrant. And then so You and I are doing this program so differently. This is the way it was designed. I'm not doing your program. I'm doing mine. Oh, believe me. I know you're not doing my program. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I speak English. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and then uh, uh, transversely do the, uh, the upper back, which is like your lats, your trapezoids, your some of your rotators, your rhomboids, your levitators, which are the, your lower back muscles, and then do do the front of your legs, which is your quads, your soleus, your your. Uh, there's another one up there. I keep forgetting what it is. But the, what's your, that one? The soleus. Yes. Sole, like the sole of your foot. It's, there's foot muscles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's tons. Wait, how do you work your foot muscles? Very carefully. Are you serious? Yeah, you can work your foot muscles. And and that see that's why I'm saying is that we're trying to hit the large muscle groups and we're not really ignoring the small muscle groups, we're not just getting specific with those. So I don't think I've exercised my foot a day in my life. But you have. Not intentionally. Well, going- except for when I'm trying to keep from walking. jumping out of the chair when they're Walking, Do, giving you running, a pedicure, jumping. Yeah, but not intentionally. I'm not like today. I'm going. I've worked on my hand muscles. You, you haven't had the because I play of, piano. You haven't had the thought of like today. I'm going to work on my feet. I'm going to fix my feet. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to lift 
<laughs> I'm gonna live baby. Well, that's good because I'm you know what? One of our one of our toes. future guests is actually a podiatrist, oh, so yeah, we're gonna we'll right. talk about it. Yeah. Right. Um. Anyway. Don't let him listen to this. I know. So we are. Uh, you're rubbing on your microphone there. I know. You can hear it. Um. So yeah, that's the way that the the workout is designed. Is basically we have uh, six exercises. You know, we have a, a cardio core. You know. Uh, your chest quadrant with the back of your legs quadrant. And then we have the upper back quadrant with the front of your legs quadrant. And that way you have six exercises. The whole workout takes about 90 minutes if you do it right. Um, And that way you get a good solid all around workout. Um, And it's also time sensitive that you can, you can do it and not have to worry about, wasting a whole bunch of time uh it, it takes about the same amount of time as a round of disc golf actually so that's the way the exercises program it's a uh, high volume lower weight uh, made for endurance explosion and strength training and also to hit all the major muscle mus- muscle all the major muscle groups that you're going to use in disc golfing and because those little teeny stabilizer muscles Uh, are in there too with these large macro movements Uh, those will get worked out too and will get stronger so it'll actually help correct some of these uh, correct some of these um, compensated muscle movements and you'll be moving a whole lot better your range of motion will improve Uh, your throws will become so much more fluid and you're going to gain distance and accuracy like crazy I know for me, um, we went out and played Rain Shadow just recently. And, uh, well, no, I won't even say that. I'll say for me, it was kind of the end of the season. We had already started to dabble in our in our postseason routine. And the last couple tournaments that I played in uh, towards the end of the season, I had already put 25 feet on my, on my shot. So a, a 280-foot hole... I could throw that pretty effortlessly with a lot of accuracy and it was almost easy. Um, and Jenny, you increased your distance quite significantly as well. I mean, what you threw a 350 foot shot, like pretty unintended. I've thrown multiple 350 shots with uh, foot shots without meaning to when I had actually, when I started this season, I was still doing the, okay, I can throw 100 feet. I just need to get to that corner or get to that top of the hill or get there. And now I'm to the point where I can still do that. I mean, I can actually do that now and get that 100 feet. Um, But then all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, I have a tap-in birdie on a 350-foot like hole. Like, how did that happen? Well, you and it's happening more and more often. It, it is so happening it's, more and more. But you, like, oh. I mean, you went you went from being able to barely throw one hundred and fifty. You improved your technique and form. You got to about two hundred and twenty-five. Uh, but that's if you are really hucking it, and if you do that, you're sacrificing accuracy. And so, since you've been doing resistance training in the gym uh, on a fairly consistent basis, I mean, we go twice to three times a week. Um, you've increased your 
range quite a lot. And well, now those now those two hundred foot shots, you don't have to work as hard to hit those, so your accuracy actually increases. Well, not only that, but I started throwing uh, very lightweight discs, and now I'm starting to throw still lightweight but closer to higher speeds. Well, higher speeds, but closer to um, average weight discs, and I'm not having to throw like. They don't all have to be in the low 150s. Now I'm in the mid 160s and have some 170s in my bag. Well, and your super light discs are starting to flip over on you. So you're actually unleashing a whole nother uh, area of shot shaping options for you. Part of that isn't because of the weight training, although that is a part of it. But a part of it was, excuse me. Uh, when I worked with Holland and Ella, learning the correct way to throw because you've been compensating, you flip your discs because now you know how to throw right. So I had to stop throwing my favorite disc and I had to go to a different disc because I couldn't throw it anymore. Well, the, the flippiness of a disc or the, or the, the, what is it? The turn of a disc and the glide has a lot to do with the amount of rotations that are on your disc. And it also has to do with how hard you throw your disc. And it's a combination of those two things. So as you're throwing with more rotations and you're throwing harder, your discs become more flippy. And so that has been a big change in, in your game and you've been increasing You've been increasing your resistance and and also your distance uh, by miles lately, uh, figuratively, um, to the point where now now like your power throws are like keeping up with me. Well, at least when the weather's warm. At least when, 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 well, <laughs> now that we're going into the cold well, season, we'll go. we're going into the frustrating part where it's like it's not going as far as it does when it's ninety degrees yeah. out, like. Well, we're going to do a whole episode on flight numbers and flight patterns and behaviors. I mean, that that's definitely coming up. It's it's a high priority episode that I'm going to be doing here in the near future. Um, but yeah, you know, if you if you're going to be competitive in any endeavor, you're going to, or in any athletic endeavor, increasing your athleticism is a good idea, and eventually that's going to mean that you're going to have to move at it with some sort of intention and some sort of purpose uh, to be able to increase that athleticism. So I do think that you've shared that you have a program that we're going to share with our listeners some way, somehow Um, we'll explain that. I don't know in the future what that's going to look like. However, yeah. um, I want to talk about what I'm doing because part of this program is being the intentional. And so what I found that works for me to actually be intentional is that I just created a Google spreadsheet that I keep on my phone and I pull that up when I'm exercising and I have my list of exercises so I can go back and see where was I at last time and which exercises have I not done in a while to make sure that I'm covering Mm-hmm. all of the different muscle movements that I want to focus on and work on. And I've also noticed that some exercises I've stopped focusing on because they're not as important to improving my game or um, 
just kind of where I'm at right now with my life goals. So I'm not focusing on those exercises as much as some of the other ones. Well, and it's also that you good you brought that up because of another point. One of the biggest reasons that people quit exercising is because they don't there's no way to measure the benefit of it. And that's why it, there's a big emphasis on track your progress. Track your progress, track your progress because then you actually have something you can show like this is where I started, this is where I am, and then out there on the disc golf course, it's gonna pay big dividends. I mean, I could I could throw four twenty five if I needed it on a good day, but I would get lucky if it was accurate. My goal was to throw an effortless three fifty, so that those three hundred foot holes and those two hundred and eighty foot holes it were just basically a layup shot for me and I could throw it with great accuracy. And that's the whole reason that I decided that I needed to start doing resistance training and working out is to make that more attainable with less effort. And I promised earlier in the episode that I was going to touch on supplements very quickly. So I love supplements. <laughs> well, you might not after this. Um, here's as a personal trainer, uh, there is a big emphasis on do not recommend supplements to your clients. Do not plug supplements. Do not en- do not engage in any kind of like co thing where you sell a supplement brand as part of your practice. Uh, the, there was a huge emphasis on that, um, and the reason being is because you have to know that. All the medicines, the foods, uh, and the different various different things that we uh, put into our body, groceries and stuff, those all are evaluated by uh, the FDA uh, as far as their contents and verifying their different nutrient levels and the different stuff that they have in them. Even if it's stuff that's made in the lab, it's especially if it's stuff that's made in the lab. Uh, they've all been evaluated through major, major rigorous laboratory testing and food scientists. Uh, The problem with supplements is that supplements specifically are not regulated by the FDA. So quite honestly, and this is actually what a lot of people do. I can go right down the street here to my local uh, food, uh, local health food store and I can pick up a giant bag of empty gel capsules that are, you know, vegetable cellulose gel capsules, right? And I can just pour a whole bunch of, let's say, uh, cinnamon in these gel capsules, right? I can pour a whole bunch of cinnamon on, I can write whatever I want in the bottle, put them in the bottle, package them up, make it all pretty, and go and sell them. And Is I can, that how they make glitter pills? I don't know. I don't even want to get into that. That's just all too scary. But anyway, that's that's the ugly truth about supplements is I can literally say whatever I want and there's no regulatory agency to test my claim against. So I could put, you know, I could put a gel pill full of cinnamon and I could say, oh, cinnamon is, you know, does this and this and this and it'll do great things and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I don't know. I I might not know for sure 
what I'm what I'm selling, and, and I not I might not have all the information on maybe the adverse effects of what I'm selling. So the supplement industry is really the wild, wild west of health food, and there's nothing backing up the claims that these these different companies are making. Um, and that's another thing is why so many supplements get taken off the market is because you know they produce whatever they want they put it on the shelf they don't have to prove any other claims or whatever and then they come to find out it's actually doing people more harm than good to the point of where they actually have to ban it because it's harmful and causing cardiovascular issues or one 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 that i can uh, think of just offhand is back in the 90s we had this stuff called androstein diode which was a uh, a natural hormone that happened you know, that occurred in the body, uh, but it increased your testosterone production. Well, people started having heart attacks because they were taking this androstein dione and it was causing uh, cardiac arrhythmias and different uh, swollen hearts and enlarged hearts and different things of that. So um, that's just that's just one example. Um, now, if you are going to be on supplements, talk to your doctor. I, I take supplements in the form of vitamins and some other different things that were suggested to me by a naturopathic doctor. Um, this guy's licensed and PhD and all that good stuff. And if it's recommended to you by the doctor and the doctor has actually evaluated and is willing to put his license or her license on the line to do this for you, well, that's between you and your doctor. You know I personally cannot advocate for supplements. Uh, all I will say about them is that they do have a place in the health industry, the health and fitness industry, and can be helpful. But again, that is for a medical practitioner to decide. And uh, also whether or not that is right for you, given your current medical circumstances and medications or whatever it might be. So um, supplements are an interesting topic. Um, and I don't see those getting regulated anytime soon. I still love my supplements. And if you were looking for something maybe to talk to a doctor about, I would recommend looking into a probiotic by chance. Uh, talk to your doctor about your gut health because your gut health and having healthy bacteria in your gut does more than just help you digest food. It's going to help you with your mood. It's going to help you with your brain. And it's it's maybe not the first thing you would think of as something that would make a huge difference in uh, the way your body works. However, having a good, healthy gut bacteria is a really good place to start. Yes, you're... you're your gut uh, biome is very important. So, um, so as we move towards closing, I think a good topic to close off this conversation is, so I have all this information. I'm ready. I've developed my training program. You know, I've figured out the different movers and things that I need to, the different muscle groups and things that I need to uh, use in my exercise program. I know how I'm going to work my different quadrants and uh, a circuit, so to say. Um, I've gone, you know, and as far as 
prescribing exercises for this exercise program. I just went on Google and searched exercises that are good for resistance exercises that are good for disc golf and picked out the ones that I liked and like doing and are comfortable with. I mean, you should enjoy your training program and it helps to have a reason why you're doing it instead of just like, I'm working out for the sake of working out. Like I'm working out to meet this goal of being a better disc golf player. That's why I'm doing it. And it helps me to stick with it and enjoy it a lot more. But now that we have all this information about how and what and when and, and why, uh, on all these different things, a really good place to end on is how much should I exercise and how much is too much? Well, that's a really good, that's a really good question. Uh, it's an important question to this conversation. So the American council on exercise, when I was going through my training, uh, recommended that you exercise at an increased heart rate. Uh, you increase your heart rate up into that kind of one, 120 to 130 zone, give or take, uh, for at least 90 minutes per week. And that is outside of your daily activities. So like say if your regular daily activities are to go to work and you're slinging concrete or bricks all day and then you you come home and play Nintendo or or Xbox or whatever and then you eat dinner it would have to be some sort of activity that is in addition over and above what you do on a regular basis and so 90 minutes of activities above activities of daily living or in addition to activities of daily living and uh, just as a general rule of thumb, um, you don't, don't do it all in one day. Okay. Break it up over the week. You can do it all in one day. However, that's not going to give you the long-term benefit of doing it a little bit at a time consistently over time. Um, just cause you can do it doesn't mean you should. So, about 90 minutes of exercise of an increased heart rate above beyond activities, daily living, uh, per week, um, do more when you can. And also something is better than nothing. So if you can't do 90 minutes to this week, do 20 minutes. I don't care. Just get up there and get active. Um, if you disc golf on a regular basis, like every day, that would then become an activity of daily living. That's part of your routine. So you have, well, you would have to do something in addition to that, uh, in order for it to count as, well, not to really count as exercise, but you know, to, to increase your exercise regimen. So if, if you're just going to disc golf, maybe you do a disc golf where you run between shots. There you go. Yeah. Pick a flat course. You could run, you could run between shots, right? You miss a putt. You could do push-ups. No, that one's for you, Leilani. <laughs> but um, but also, how how much is too much? Um, and this is why I say don't do this in one day. I mean, we we when we exercise, we go in for ninety minutes at a time, and it's a combination of resistance training and 
uh, cardiovascular training. Um, that's something that we had to work up to. We didn't start off doing that, but it's going to vary from vary from person to person to person of how much is too much. And it really has to do with your recovery and your energy stores inside of your muscles and inside of your body. And the basic idea is this, is that if you work out to the point where you're absolutely exhausted and whatever, and then you want to push it harder, push it harder, push it harder past your limits, that's when you start to get into injury um, and fatigue and even experiencing cramps, tears, uh, different things of that nature. Um, and, and that's cause you've blown out all of the energy stores that are in your muscles and in your whatever. And that that's your available energy stores. Okay. I mean, if I, you know, if I'm a larger person, which I am, I have plenty of energy stores to go on and on and on. But once I deplete my my readily available energy stores out of my bloodstream and out of my muscles. Like I have to be done. My body needs time to process those fatty acids and those proteins and create more of that adenosine triphosphate. So basically when you're feeling fatigued, you, when you're at that tired point, that's when you should stop. Stop when you're tired. You don't want to be completely sore. You don't want to be put out of commission because honestly, that's no fun. And if you're sore every day, well, you don't want to keep going back to the gym because nobody likes to feel like crap. I thought this was supposed to make me feel better. Um, and that's how recovery plays a role in this is that your body needs time to replenish all of those different stores, the glycogens that are in your muscles, your, uh, reserve ATB stores, uh, all the different things that you need. And it, it takes time to do all that. And it, at one point it slows down when you reach like that saturation level. So when people say they're out of gas, they're literally out of gas. Yeah. So active rest is really important. Uh, icing your muscles when you need to 20 minutes on 20 minutes off for an hour is a good way. Um, I'm a big fan of Epsom salts baths. There's lots of different recipes you can find online, um, on Pinterest, things like that with the Epsom salts, the baking soda, vinegar, are some of the ones that are, are my usual go-tos for a, um, restorative bath. And they also have some that's specifically for if you're bodybuilding, um, exercising a lot, that's going to restore, um, some of the other things in your, in your muscles that you wouldn't have. Well, like, and you talk about active rest too. So, Active rest is a great way to recover. So like say you work out for a day and then you do very, very light activities for the next day, you know, just to keep things kind of pumping or whatever, but you don't really want to tax your system. Um, another thing that is part of training is actual like rest rest. So what will happen is like you train and you train and you train and you train and you train. Let's say you've been training for like two or three months straight, right? Without, without missing a workout, take a week off, like take a week off and literally do nothing. Let your body heal up and replenish itself for a week, right? And then jump right back into it. Don't take more than a, and if you take that week off, 
you're going to see massive, massive gains in your performance. Like we're just coming off what a week off and you went up how many pounds today? Uh, it's been 12 days, 12 days since I last worked out. Life happens. Confessional life happens. Um, I did double my, Oh, what is it? Overhead press, which I hate. And I went up 40 pounds on my leg press. Yeah. So those are large gains. You took some time off your body healed up after hitting it hard for a little while. And then you go back into the gym and you're seeing massive results. Well, that's the, the thing that you're doing when you're exercising is you're breaking down your muscles. So in order for them to, uh, for you to make those gains, you have to give them an opportunity to heal because you're literally tearing them. Yeah. You're making micro tears in, in your muscles. And when you're on a regular weightlifting program, like every day, every other day or something like that, you're not giving those things the time to fully heal. So when you do give those things time to fully heal, you go back there stronger and better than I wouldn't take a massive amount of time off because after that kind of 12 to 14 day range, which we were getting kind of close to, you start to atrophy um, and atrophy severely. I mean, honestly, you start to atrophy right away anytime you're not actively doing something. But you start to see severe atrophy getting into that like two and, you know, the two week range. It Your metabolism starts to slow down. A lot of people that have lost weight will gain weight like crazy because their metabolism just hits a brick wall um, and you'll start to actually get weaker. Your muscles will start to shrink and you'll slowly get back to this resting state that you're trying to get out of, honestly. So, and just in general, getting in shape, being fit, it's, it's great for your health. It's great for your longevity, your attitude. All, all sorts of different things, but just when you're taking care of yourself, everything just seems to work better, including your disc golf game. Well, I just want to say there is this strange correlation out there that when you start taking care of you, and that starts with what you eat, your exercise, your mental and emotional health, your stress levels... It's amazing how many other things start to fall into place. Your job, your finances, all of these other things, your relationships with people, your disc golf game, all of these other things start to fall into place. It's almost like magic. It's strange. It is strange. It is strange. Intentionality is strange. It is strange. And last but not least, we touched on it last episode, and I'll just briefly hit on it here before we get going, is your... Exercise program should be part of a comprehensive nutritional program. And those two things work hand in hand. What I will say about that is that your exercise program will ultimately not be as successful as it can be if your nutrition is not on point. Nutrition is the first and most important part of fitness. So, all right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Intentional Disc Golfer podcast. We believe here that disc golf does chains, uh, chains, chains, disc golf chains. 
we believe here at this podcast that disc golf does change lives. So don't be afraid to go out there and grow the sport. This is Eric Oakley, and thank you so much for listening to the Intentional Disc Golfer Podcast. Go out there and grow the sport.